once again into the soccer OG. Hey, that's me, Max Bretos. This is episode 99. As always, a reminder to rate, review, download, subscribe, and, and tell a friend. Big news on the horizon starting on November the 19th. It is the Soccer OG World Cup Daily simulcast audio podcast where all podcasts are available. Video podcast on my YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. Special interviews, betting tips, comprehensive coverage. I am going to be a basket case. I may lose my family and I'm doing it for you. <laughs> I can't wait, but I'm terrified, right? This is an intimidating World Cup. Four games a day. You can't watch them all. I will. And I will be your guide in case you need a quick fix. The Soccer OG. World Cup Daily. Every day during the World Cup starting on November the 19th. Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. You will see my breakdown of the USMNT roster. Somewhat surprising. That is the topic of this special midweek. Lots of midweek fixtures everywhere. So we have a midweek soccer OG. We'll be joined by Sam Stasekal of The Athletic, who was in Brooklyn for the announcement of the 26-man roster. There were some leaks early on. We thought there wouldn't be any surprises, but there were. So we'll be joined by Sam to discuss everything that happened and project the team heading forward Sam is fantastic. He's headed off to Qatar for The Athletic. He has a great podcast out there from Kuva to Qatar talking about that process. Actually, I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm going to listen to it. I've heard some excerpts. Those guys are great. Him and Paul Tenorio, everyone at The Athletic. Follow them during the World Cup. And the Soccer OG. In stoppage time, we'll be talking FIFA. Some interesting words from Seth Blatter and also the FIFA Uncovered show on Netflix, which I uh, have begun watching. Not complete. Very close. Busy, busy show. So let's go. Take a breath, everyone. I know this is absolutely crazy. How can we keep up? I mean, the World Cup is coming up. I'm sitting here watching Midweek La Liga. There's games all over Europe this weekend. And we just want to, <laughs> we want to make sure there's no more entanglements. It's, this is just overstimulation for those who cover soccer. Games being played, World Cup rosters being announced, uh, preparations in full flight. People are already heading over. Sam Stasekal are talking about he's on his way there too. And it's, it's happening so fast. And, you know, I'm, we're going to go full circle here on the soccer OG because I'm going to talk about FIFA. And, yeah, this was a mistake, this World Cup. It was a mistake to have it here and have it this time of year. It's clearly evident now. We didn't know what it would look like. I think we all agree it's probably worse than we could have envisioned. And we talked about the injuries, which we'll get into here in a moment. But as much as the distractions, as much of an absolute mess it has been, we it's like hit, heading into the hot tub time machine. We don't know what's going to happen when we shoot out the other end. Because we've never seen a World Cup like this. And every conversation I've had is people telling me, prepare to see something you've never seen before. A spectacle of sport. Because of the stadiums, because of the conditions, because of the proximity of the teams and everyone in one city, essentially. It's, 
it's just and when you when you concentrate things generally they pack a bigger punch right because of where it is what does this mean for so many other countries so enjoy it and I certainly will. And I know we're going to see something we haven't seen. And for big reasons, because we've never seen anything like this. A Middle Eastern World Cup in winter. So uh, a lot of people hate the fact that we're the World Cup's going to hit us in the face. Uh, I'm fine with it because hopefully it's just only one and only time. And uh, we're going to discuss what Sepp Blatter said about Qatar being a mistake in stoppage time. So stick around for that. But it's, uh, it's something you got to look forward to, right? It's insane. It's absolutely insane. It's like a battle royale. You know, guys being thrown over the top rope. The injury list, which uh, I uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago, and I was hoping for the best, and it's gotten worse than we could have thought. Not just the volume of players being out, but the quality of players being out. Highlighted by Sadio Mane, which to me is the biggest injury yet. Not just on name recognition, but, you know, Senegal, who I was going to pick, I still might pick to win Group A because I've talked to a lot of folks who know about African football and they feel they have the cover for Sadio Mane, but he's going. (laughs) He's going to the World Cup despite this pretty serious injury. And uh, Senegal is reporting, well, we'll get to the story here in a moment, but, you know, this is that compromises their chances. I still stand by that. I thought they wouldn't group eight, probably don't win group eight because of Sadio Mane. Everyone needs that talismanic player. Not everyone, but most teams would suffer if Lionel Messi wasn't there. I think without question, the way they are built. Uh, several other teams in, in in a similar boat. Kylian Mbappe out of France. I do they do they reach those heights? So Sadio Mane is going. FIFA Secretary General Fatma Samura said that Senegal will use witch doctors to help Sadio Mane compete in the upcoming World Cup. And I don't dismiss witch doctors, man. I'm Cuban. I grew up in Miami. We had Santeria all over the place. And that stuff works. At least from what I saw. I know you think I'm a crazy person. You know, you go around Hialeah and you're seeing maybe a (laughs) severed animal head, a farm animal's head, surrounded by candles and your people go, okay. I know, man. My family, we were like, all right, respect that. <laughs> and certainly they do in West Africa. And I would, you know, mo- modern medicine prevails in many ways, but sometimes you need help from somewhere else. Like the succubus. And uh, he's going. There is a long list. Of the, and by the way, we'll talk about this with Sam Stasekull. Knock on wood. That's a hard wood table you're hearing. The injury bug is avoided the U.S. Hopefully that continues over this last weekend. And there are some guys in the crosshairs. Hopefully they can overcome. Or maybe their club just goes, sit this one out. Sit this one out. We would encourage that. The rosters are being announced everywhere. And obviously some surprises. We'll get into that with the United States men's national team. We, um, I was like, the England squad dropped. And by the way, I looked at the England squad. And you're like, okay. I mean, there's some big names there, but no, not at the level we may have put them. They've all kind of been, they've all kind of hit, you know, a wall. When you talk about Phil Foden, he's incredible, but we haven't really seen him hit that ceiling. Certainly not Jack Grealish, who plays for Man City's more of a substitute, great talent, but he wasn't this 
untouchable $100 million talent that we thought a year ago. I think the same could say for Bukayo Sako's having a great season. Raheem Sterling, the, the shines off a little bit. All these guys, are they only, are three, six midfielders. They brought six midfielders. So that group might be a little crazier than we had anticipated. So a lot of odd things happening with the rosters. And they're all they're coming out thick and fast. So we're all getting a quick look at that. And that will continue to be the case. Now, Fikayo Tomori um, did not get the World Cup squad in England. But then he got a offer. And I've checked them out online. It's a legit place. I didn't... I just clicked on the name i did not click on the site called strip chat it is what you think it is an adult entertainment company a lot of on cam uh amateur <laughs> providers and they have extended an offer to snub defender tamori to serve as the website's world cup commentator in return for up to 250k so uh they wanted to include him in the coverage plans i don't know what that looks like I mean, do you go on there and you, you see one of the models who, uh, by the looks of it, it's, it's not like they, a little lingerie show. It's, uh, they're all in. <laughs> and in between there, Tamori's going to be telling you about who he thinks starting 11 for Morocco should be. I don't know how that works. It's getting weird. It's getting weird. I love that. Put it into the pot. It's going to be a weird World Cup. We are all here for it. So, <laughs> buckle up. And uh, just in w one thought, this is, we all know this, two parts about, and check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my, my, my name, Max Bretos, you'll see it in my latest video, about this process. It's really hard. We don't, we love sausages, we don't want to see how they're made. We love the World Cup, we don't want to see the process of putting together a roster. It's gnarly. Heartbreaking. The beautiful thing is there's a balance because guys get called in for the heartbreak. And that's happening everywhere. And these guys that are like one or two players away from this one World Cup. I think the average World Cup for guys is one, right? You know, most very few, select few play three or four World Cups. A few more play two, not a lot. Most people play one or none. So it's a tough, tough business. You got to be, you know, a stonewall there as as a manager to to share this. So it's a, it's it's tough, and you're going to see this cavalcade of messages. We saw a beautiful one from Paul Ariola. I can't imagine what he's going through when we talk about Ariola and, and Pepe, who must have thought they were locked in, and even the guys who you thought were locked in. You see the messages that are on USMNT, US Soccer, and there's huge relief. You know, Weston McKinney, this XL, you just don't know. Remember this whole landed Donovan thing? You just don't know. I mean, I saw France is not including Eduardo Camavinga. Did I? Was that correct? He was like enfant terrible. He was like the best young player in the world coming out. Not good enough to make France. Gabi Gol down in Brazil, who's had a success in Brazil. I mean, he just has won two Copa Libertadores for Flamengo. Not good enough to make it. Crazy. I mean, it's a it's a tough tough situation but this is what we're in it's all happening fast so you can't get bogged down i need you guys let's keep upright upward and onwards let's get ready for the world cup the business end coming up with sam stasekull of the athletic stick around afterwards for stoppage time as we'll talk about fifa this is the soccer og
back here. Time now for the business end. Always thrilled to welcome in Sam Stayskull of The Athletics. Got a lot going on in his world, including a departure to Qatar very soon. Uh, obviously, check him out with The Athletic regularly on during the World Cup. Also, Allocation Disorder, his podcast with uh, Paul Tenorio and his new World Cup podcast, Kuva to Qatar. Uh, you can also find on The Athletic. It's, uh, it, it is what it says. I like that. Uh, Sam, a, a title where you know what you're getting. Exactly. No, uh, no obscurity, just straight to the point. Uh, what an incredible journey. And it's uh, obviously, you know, the World Cup roster, and we're going to talk about that. But it, it, I, when I, you know, I turned on the television to see the coverage and you were there in Brooklyn to see it. And we know we didn't qualify for 2018, but we haven't played in a World Cup in eight and a half years which just saying that is you know that's a, a lifetime you know uh you know our my son was four years old and now he's a teenager checking out girls and back then he was playing with thomas <laughs> the train and it's just an incredible so i know i'm sure it's a relief to cover it but still um even that whole process and that's i guess the beauty of the world cup is that you uh you gotta earn it and if you if you miss it you you pay the consequences but it's come full circle here for the u.s Absolutely. Uh, the uh, the scarcity makes it special. And that's sort of, you know, what the whole object of the podcast was kind of outlined the journey from that night in Trinidad, which was more than five years ago now, because that was in the fall of 2017. And, wow. and, you know, what happened next? And Greg Berhalter coming in and him taking over the team. And you remember that first year in charge when he was really, really trying to play out of the back and things were looking not so great and there was a lot of uproar and the whole process of his hiring, which left bad tastes in a lot of people's mouths and kind of how they changed. And then, but now it's super young. And so we went, we went into all of those things. Um, we also kind of looked at some of the structural factors at play um, that I think are pretty interesting. You know, we talk a lot about guys like Christian Pulisic and Weston McKenney and Serginio Dest and Matt Turner and whoever being at these big clubs now that really Gio Reyna as well, that really hasn't happened in American soccer before. Um, not this number of guys at that level of club. And so we look at some of the factors at play there um, and sort of explore like, okay, they're at these big clubs. Does that mean they're better? Um, and we got some differing opinions on that, but some cool interviews, Clint Dempsey, Demarcus Beasley, Greg Berhalter, Tyler Adams, Weston McKenney, Gio Reyna, um, Walker Zimmerman, guys that really took us behind the scenes, guys that had good perspective. So it was a fun show to put together. Sounds very comprehensive and a lot of work, uh, which uh, Sam and Paul are uh, fam very familiar to. And I, I know I'm going to jump out of order here. We'll talk about the roster, but you, you, you thought just the basis of the podcast of the uh, how Greg Berhalter and the U.S. Soccer's adapted, and the interesting thought about how these players are playing in Europe and initially, and I'm me included, you hear Matt Turner's going to Arsenal, Christian Pulisic's at Chelsea. You're like, okay, it, that's autopilot. That's where he needs to be. He is on course for superstardom, but it doesn't, it's not so cut and dry. And I think we're, we're, we're certainly seeing that as it applies to the U S as well. And how it's, more and more, you have to take an individual case about where they play. And how many, so we always draw, we, not all of us, but many of us draw this line. These guys play in Europe. They have an upper hand. These guys play in MLS. Um, maybe we judge them differently, but the, I, maybe the, not maybe, but definitely the lines have been blurred a bit. 
And yeah. it's an incredible journey with that. And also just the the tactics and how Greg Berhalter, I, I, I think mentioning how they played out of the back. And I, I had a conversation with some people recently. I go, well, I'm not really sure what our style is. I mean, it was always <laughs> talk so much. I go, what is our style? I mean, it's pretty, I mean, it, it can adapt. It's standard, but you know, nothing is what we thought it was. So you, you have to move with the flows of the players, the coaches and everything. Yeah. And I think he's sort of gotten there and they try to play in transition and they try and go vertical quickly, but I think he's also sort of torn and it's always there in the back of his head that he wants to really play with the ball, which isn't the strength of this team, <laughs> but it is, it is kind of interesting because you have all of these young guys, some of whom are super talented and they're playing at these big clubs, but it's so different than past us teams, not just in terms of where they're playing, but in terms of their age, a lot of these guys are still kids. And one of the things that really stood out to me in the process of doing this podcast was talking to Clint Dempsey about that. And Clint Dempsey was a tremendous player, fantastic player, huge talent. He didn't come through the same kind of system that these kids did, right? He grew up in East Texas in a small town and went to Furman University for, I think, three years and played soccer That's there. That's crazy. Middle Walker of South Zimmerman, Carolina. By the way, Walker Zimmerman, Furman guy as well. Yeah. Um, so that Furman's well-represented on World Cup teams, weirdly. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, he, he had a line. He's like, you know, yeah, these guys are playing at big clubs, but they're not really playing big roles at their clubs. And so is it better to be at a club like Chelsea and be a, a squad player? You know, somebody that's rotating in and out, getting a start here and there, mostly coming off the bench, but you're playing on the biggest stages, you're playing in Champions League. Or is it better to maybe be like Tyler Adams or Brendan Aronson, who, of course, have played in Champions League in the past, but are now at Leeds United, which is not as successful of a club. They're not playing in European competitions, but they're playing 90 minutes every week and they are being counted on to be big parts of their teams. And so when you look at past U.S. teams, like ones Dempsey was on, for instance, in like 2014, you have Dempsey, who was the, the face and leader of Fulham for a long time. And at 14, he was the, the star of the Seattle Sounders. You had Michael Bradley, who was the captain and star of Toronto FC at that point. Alejandro Bedoya playing a big role for Nantes in, in France. Jeff Cameron playing a big role for Stoke City. Um, Jermaine Jones, right? Doing we used to well. hang on to these. Like, every, yes, yeah, Cameron's yes, in Stoke but, City. But, but the point is they were at much smaller clubs, yeah. but they were playing bigger roles across the board, right? Tim Howard was captain of Everton, right? Landon, of course, not on that team, but captain of the Galaxy. So they're playing at smaller clubs, but they have bigger roles. They have more experience. And so I think when you look at this team and you say, okay, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, Max, but the expectations for it, maybe get out of the group, maybe get to the round of 16 and see what happens. That's the expectation for like every U.S. team ever, right? <laughs> yeah. So when you look at, okay, the clubs have changed, the, the faces have changed, the potential, the hype has changed, but the expectations in the actual tournament itself haven't. I think that's sort of, those are sort of the reasons why. It, it's so fascinating. And just to, uh, uh, Dovetail, ducktail it's a dovetail you know dovetail a little bit into the ducktails scrooge mcduck <laughs> man i watched that every afternoon i used to run <laughs> i don't want to age myself but i would rush from school and i think it ended at three and that started on 3 30 i mean this is pre-dvr yeah. diving into the, right. the bank vaults of gold yes. coins yeah Do you remember the theme song <laughs> ducktails yeah of course. of course <laughs> oh boy that was that in thundercats and if I missed any one of those two, I would be absolutely, <laughs> absolutely <laughs> devastated. So not dovetail, dovetail into the topic about the Americans playing at these clubs. But 
It's, uh, you know, someone was also, uh, Meg Swanick was on here. She made a point about, about the excitement of the World Cup and how it's a little harder for some of these players to ramp up in Europe because all they can think about is this schedule. And they're still playing. You know, mm-hmm. Christian Pulisic just played a uh, Carabao Cup game. Yeah. They have a fixture this weekend. Uh, Arsenal have a fixture. Not that Matt Turner's playing, but, you know, all Dortmund, all these clubs do have games. And... There was a concern about, uh, whereas MLS players, I mean, Kellen Acosta just finished his season. It's perfect time. He has two weeks to kind of get in there. I don't know if it's perfect, but it's better timing. And then several MLS players have a more traditional kind of World Cup buildup since their season ended a few weeks ago. But these guys are jumping right in there. And she seemed to think it's hard for them to even think of the World Cup with that on their plate, which is... You know, every, you know, I can't even imagine what's going on at clubs like Real Madrid and Manchester City, where everyone's going to the World Cup. Yeah. But that's a challenge in its own right. And that coupled with the youth is uh, another layer to um, take into consideration on how this U.S. team is going to play. I mean, it's just it's just an endless list, really, at this point. Yeah. And actually, you know, we've seen a lot of injuries and I know you and I, we actually had a little bit of a Twitter back and forth and I thought more about it. And I think I'm more on your side now. I think I may have been hasty. Um, <laughs> Who jumped in on that? Someone else jumped in I on that. Know. Oh yeah. But that was, but I, I, but I thought about that too. And basically just to give you thought, I said, we're going to see it's heartbreaking because smaller injuries. Uh, now we have this Sadio Mane, the witch doctors mm-hmm. are coming over to see if they can get him healthy for the world cup. Cause mm-hmm. he's going to be included with Senegal. So this is just insanity. Yeah. And so, but the, but the U.S. is pretty healthy. Yeah, like you look at you look at all of these teams; they're probably more healthier than they were basically for any window in qualifying, right? Yeah, that that like September have, window was a mess, right? The September window was like every, seven guys. Pretty much every window, McKenney was out consistently. Right. <laughs> Stefan was out a lot. Pulisic missed a decent amount of games. Reyna was out literally almost the entire time. Um, obviously you have Miles Robinson and Chris Richards with long-term injuries at center back that, that aren't going to be there. But apart from those two, the U S is, is remarkably healthy. And that's something that a lot of other nations can't say. So I'm curious to see what that dynamic is like in Qatar, because they're going into this in a relatively good place from that standpoint. It really is incredible. Cause I mean, I've been holding my breath and knock on wood, uh, that, Polisic and Reina at the top of that list who have injury track records can get on that plane in one piece. And I mean, I wasn't thrilled to see Christian Polisic playing in the Carabao cup, but again, he's not a featured guy. So it makes sense. He would play that, but we're almost there. So good vibes, good thoughts to everyone. The roster, there was a lot of leaks coming out and I was prepared to be pretty uh, accepting and prepared for every name that's going to be popped out there. Uh, we we heard about Zach Steffen. It wasn't going to make it uh, from very good sources. So we heard, we assumed that that was the case and it turned out to be. Same thing for Tim Marine. Uh, what were the feelers of Ricardo Pepe? Because that, yeah, I mean, because I knew they did. I noticed it. And I'm sure many else did. They, 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 they announced the positions in alphabetical order. So the Fords are going A to B, B, C, and then they just jumped over P and I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Are they going to do something? Is there like a little asterisk for Pepe? Because they're on to Gio, Gio Reyna and they haven't mentioned him. Uh, how shocking was that 
for the room or for the people yeah. covering it. So it, it was, let me set the scene a little. It was kind of weird in the room, just in general. Like it was, it was a concert hall in Brooklyn and they like made it like this clubby type atmosphere. It, and they it, it was DJ, loud. Yeah. You could hear it. And there was and, like errant sounds and yeah. And, and there was, yeah, there was a weird record scratch kind of technical difficulty thing at one point that I think came through on the broadcast. And, it did, <laughs> but it wasn't really, there weren't that many fans. Most of the people in there were like, Don Garber was there. It was a lot of like MLS staffers, executives, U.S. soccer staffers, executives, a lot of like sponsor VIP type people, agents of some of the players who were getting onto the team, and then like some fans who you heard and saw on the broadcast. But it wasn't like the whole thing was packed with fans. It was mostly just like people there to like see and be seen. And so that created a strange vibe. So there wasn't a ton of reaction to any of the players' names that got announced. But Haji Wright, when he got announced, there was like an audible gasp. And, and that was, that was pretty interesting. I mean, I went into it thinking, all right, the strikers, Jesus Ferreira, Josh Sargent, Ricardo Pepe, Jordan Pifak competing for three spots. And then of course, Pepe and Pifak don't go and Haji Wright gets in. So that was, that was a surprise. Yeah. And I didn't expect to see him there. Uh, but I thought Berhalter's reasoning for it made sense. Uh, Roger Gonzalez of CBS did this tweet with a photo of Haji Wright in there suggesting he was in there. And yeah, he's a very good resource. And he mentioned some other players. So I said, oh my, oh my goodness, he's going to get in there. So I, I immediately thought they're going to bring that extra forward. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Pepe and Fedeta's names are, aren't going to be in peril. Uh, PFOX probably days are numbered because they're not going to bring him and Haji Wright. But then again, then right. three forwards was the number. We Everyone yeah. thought maybe he could go four, but three is, three yeah. is the spot. And that, that makes sense. Yeah, and Pivak hasn't scored in nearly two months. I've been benched. Yeah, so so he wasn't in form. Haji Wright has been doing very well in Turkey, scoring a bunch of goals. And Burhalter basically said it came down to a decision. They viewed Pivak and Wright like as a head-to-head. They're both bigger guys. They can both be targets. They're both good in the air, good on set pieces, both lacking, I think, with their feet and what they do in build-up play. Um but it came down to those two. And if you're picking one spot for those two guys, based on the last couple of months of form, it's pretty, pretty simple, right? One guy's scoring, one guy isn't. And so I don't think Haji Wright's going to start or anything in Qatar, but I think if you the do US not needs, think he will see the no. field or he'll see some minutes, but no, I think, I think, he'll, yeah, no, I think it, it'll be a situation where if the U S needs a goal late in the game, they're throwing the kitchen sink at the other team. You bring him on. He's a big body in the box. You can maybe get on the end of something for you. I could see that happening. And I think that's pretty much what he's there for. See, I, I agree with you. And I think it, it I, I did, a, I tweeted a projected 11. I go, you could pretty much lock in the 11, but then I thought I slept on it. I don't know that you can. I know. Oh, well, maybe you're probably right, but I'm going to pull up your Twitter page. I haven't okay. seen, I haven't seen your protect, well, the, projected the two, 11. The two, cause I'm going, I'm sorry. I, I had a lit, I had a chronological order. I was going to go over here, Sam, but I, uh, I'm going to go in and out. Next. I'm sorry. Okay. No, but I love it. This is why I like to do this pod because it's supposed to be a conversation. This is how conversations go. It's not an interview <laughs> show. It's a conversational piece. So I was surprised. I mean, even with the leaked stories that I thought Greg Berhalter was going to be close to his vest as he's kind of done and said, these are the guys that I've had in World Cup qualifying. These are the guys I'm going to go with. I thought that locked in Zach Steffen. And maybe Mark McKenzie, to a lesser degree, that locked in Ricardo Pepe without question. Mm-hmm. So then he he makes his big pivot, and he has good reasoning for why these guys were included or why others were not included. But he makes a big pivot 
more so than I think in any of these rosters in this calendar year. Obviously, this is the biggest roster with bringing in some guys that we didn't expect. So obviously, that's one roster decision. But I started to think, in particular with Haji Wright, I mean, to make that big of a move for a guy that we, I think we both agree, won't start and may see some minutes, to put him over Ricardo Pepe, who you could probably fit that role as well, and as a younger player you want to develop. And then with Tim Ream, who you bring in as a veteran guy who has been getting all these accolades. There was this quote from... I'm uh, playing really well. Yeah, yeah, Pep Guardiola says, if you were 10 years younger, you'd be playing for City. And then he said, if you're 34, if you were 24, and then Tim Ream goes, well, I'm too bad I'm 35. Uh, funny guy. <laughs> Tim Ream sent a great tweet. I mean, uh, the humor and the levity I, I enjoy. But when I saw Haji Wright, and after I slept on it, and I saw Tim Ream, I thought to myself, maybe there's a bigger plan for these guys. Is there is there someone that you would let's talk about a starting eleven? Because I had I think what you would figure. Yeah, so Turner, I, I pulled I pulled yours up. Yeah. Okay, Turner, Long, Zimmerman. They've been together. I figured that you're not going to yeah ruffle the feather, ruffle the disturb the waters there. Dest, Robinson, Musa, Adams, and then McKenny out of form. I think is the one that could adjust, and then Ferreira, Pulisic, and Weya. Yeah. So, so I think I agree with most of it. Uh, McKenny, we'll see just because he has, he's been That's, hurt. So yeah. I think it's kind of a fitness question. Can he go 90 minutes? Do you feel comfortable starting him? Brendan Aronson was listed on this team as a midfielder. So, so and, and that would be, if it would be, would you say it's either McKenny or Aronson? Yeah, That's I think incredible. so. And honestly, uh, Aronson might be better in that role. I don't know if Greg Berhalter sees it that way, but that's sort of how I think about it. So that's one question mark for me. Turner, for sure. Zimmerman, for sure. Anthony Robinson, for sure. Serginio Dest has not been playing for AC Milan, but I asked Berhalter about that last night. You skipped long, so maybe the Tim Ream theory. Yeah, I'm getting to him. I'm getting to him. <laughs> Serginio Dest, I asked Berhalter about it, and he basically gave an answer that I interpreted as, uh, yeah, Serginio's fine. He's just not playing for AC Milan because he's he's resting up before it's yeah. <laughs> I, I, and again, um, I don't think we can put a lot no. on the plate of Serginio Dest. If he starts, I can't see this guy starting, say, four games. Say they go four games. I can't see him starting and going four games. It's just really? not realistic. You I, think he can? Yeah. Serginho Des could start every group game and play 75, 80 minutes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, but long, I'm not sure. I think I think like against England, I I think Reem will start. Um against Wales, I'm not quite as sure. Wales will will sit a little bit deeper. They have this guy, Gareth Bale. I don't know if you're familiar with him, Max. Um, but he, he likes to run by night, that guy. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, uh, you know, likes to sit on the counter and, and he's fast and he can run and he can obviously do a lot of damage and they have some other dangerous pieces up top with him. So maybe Burhalter wants to play the higher line. He said he doesn't really feel comfortable doing so with Reem and Zimmerman in the past. So maybe we see Aaron Long in that game, but I wouldn't be surprised if Reem started that match. And then the last one I'm looking at, or a couple more I'm looking at one, is Gio Reyna going to start? He's been getting good time for Dortmund. He's finally healthy. He's playing well. Um, I don't think Berhalter will start him. See, I thought, I, think, I thought Reyna maybe as a midfielder, but then... He doesn't defend. He doesn't defend. Yeah, and it's maybe that McKinney role, but that's I, I, there's a big yeah. risk with that. Yeah. Uh, he more as like a tucked-in 10, which is against yeah. the grain of... 
yeah. what the U.S. So have done. I, I think I think Reyna will probably be brought in off the bench because Weah offers a lot of speed and verticality and behind, and he's going to stay wide, and it, the shape works, I think, a little bit better. They've never really played Reyna and Pulisic same time apart from 30 minutes there i don't know um, how you don't i don't know how you not play Weya just because every time we yeah. saw him on the u.s game he Makes made a, a difference. difference yeah he does the, the one that i think ferreira will start i don't think he should um i don't really get it so who, who would be there if sergeant start sergeant yeah i think he's, he's perfect he's perfect for this team but there's just something that Maybe it's the timing hasn't I mean, quite yeah, clicked. He's not, but... he's not like the most amazing striker in the world, obviously, but he's done pretty well for Norwich this season in the championship. And just the way he plays, I think, fits a lot better than Jesus Freire, who, who drops in and tries to get in midfield, doesn't occupy the center backs. And we saw it against Japan in particular. When he's dropping into midfield, they can keep their lines really compact. And when the opponent can keep their lines really compact, the U.S. has a hard time breaking teams down. <laughs> And if there's no threat in behind, it's just, it, it created a messy situation. And I think Wales will probably try and stay really compact. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I, I think I would want someone in there who can battle a little bit physically and who's going to stay higher and be a direct option over the top. Yeah. And I know with Wales, when I saw them and you play a high line, it's dangerous because they can counterattack like the best with Bale and James who can fly and they've got those weapons that can get behind that back line. So it's, Something you've got to uh, take into consideration, whoever you pick. Uh, but I, I get I, I get the feeling. I mean, I, I tweeted that and then got some interaction with some folks. I was like, wait a minute. There's I mean, I didn't expect these roster moves. And uh, maybe there's it's more than just roster moves. Maybe it's personnel in a starting 11 as, as quickly as the Wales game. And I, I will say this about Fede. I like him a lot. It's just I when I saw him against Saudi Arabia. I saw a guy who came in off the bench and disrupted. I said, that's yeah. a great role for him. Yeah. But I think I don't, I, I, look, I have faith in Greg that he's seen these things, but I think what you said about Sergeant and then how we, yeah. there makes sense with the players they have where and to, you to have to clear, make a pivot. It's not that I don't dislike Jesus Ferrer as a player. He's a good player. It's just like for what the U S is trying to do. I don't think playing a nine that drops in really deep and doesn't offer a direct option over the top, especially if you're not starting Wea, um, is dangerous. And I think it kind of mucks things up a little bit. You can bring him in off the bench and he can provide some things. But for me, Max, I think it's telling. You go back to Dallas's last game when they were eliminated against Austin. He started at striker. They didn't look good. They brought in Frank O'Hara at halftime. Jesus Ferreira dropped underneath, which I think is his natural position, kind of a secondary striker. Uh, and Dallas got way better immediately. So, you know, what does that say? Like, is that the guy that you want leading the line at the World Cup in a very similar system to the one that Dallas plays, by the way? Coached by Nico Estevez, former Greg Berhalter assistant with Columbus and the national team? I don't know. I, I don't think I would do it, but I'm not in charge. And I don't know as much about soccer as Greg Berhalter does. So, no, but I, again, I am inspired by the fact that he's clearly tinkering and seeing it. It's good. This is going to go to the wire as well. Look, Paul Ariola, and I don't, yeah. I'm not going to connect it, but he had a beautifully written letter, and it's been it's been it's been well shared on social media about how 
he wasn't able to make it in his efforts because there was some some information. Of course, we go on Twitter and you, you can't take anything there at face value unless it's from a really good source. But that maybe Paul Ariola wasn't 100 percent. That wasn't the case. Some said that about Ricardo Pepe. That wasn't the case. I mean, when, when uh, Greg Berhalter mentioned Ricardo Pepe, I was going to say, yeah, he's carrying an arc. No, he said we thought we had better options. And I s- fell out of my chair. I was like, whoa, he's really going for it. But yeah. just to Paul Ariola, obviously taking this with grace, I thought he a healthy Ariola, based on everything he's done, was going to find a spot on this team. But, but I mean, isn't it crazy when I look at the FC Dallas and I, I include Ricardo Pepe here that it was a, <laughs> it was at a high it it was it had high returns and then right at the end, hey, not so much. You know, Walker Zimmerman, former FC Dallas, Kellen Acosta, yeah. FC Dallas homegrown. You know, there's still some Dallas connections, but Reggie Cannon, another Dallas home. Yeah. At one point, it looked like there were going to be eight Dallas guys on this team. Weston McKenney, of course, a product of their academy as well. I'm, I'm watching um, CNBC right now, and they're saying, don't buy stock in FC Dallas as it applies to the U.S. Men's well, National it's, Team. It's Sam. too late. It already cratered. <laughs> <laughs> maybe now is the time to buy. Yeah. But do buy I look low. at maybe the Areola that maybe Areola, he, the, Greg was looking at these Dallas games and going, all right, that's not. That's not I don't what I think want. That's, I don't think that's what it was. I think it was um, a case of, and Burhalter basically said this, at no point during qualifying were all the wingers healthy at the same time. They are now. Somebody was always out. Sometimes more, some bodies were, were out, whether it was Pulisic or Reyna or Wea. Aronson missed the, the March window. Uh, Morris wasn't healthy enough to be in the team until later on in qualifying. Um, so Ariola was there all the time because – you know, there was always a guy missing. This time there wasn't a guy missing, and he decided to take Morris instead of Ariola. Um, that's a really tough break for Paul. You know, Burhalter singled him out kind of as like, this is the one I'm gutted for the most. Um, and you understand why. He was such a big contributor, not just at the start, or not just in qualifying, but throughout Burhalter's tenure. And um, so it's difficult for him, but I think Morris got the edge because unlike Ariola, he can be an option at striker too. So if you're looking at the fifth winger on the roster, who probably really isn't going to play, they're both good guys. They're both good train, going to be good presences in training and in the locker room, then maybe the tiebreaker goes to the guy who can play an extra position. And if you want to maybe do that two striker thing late in the game where uh, Jordan Morris can kind of fill those gaps, be an aerial threat. And we shall see just something that you said. And a lot of fans get up, up in arms because why is it Malik Tillman or some of these guys, you want to get them that world cup experience. And I'm like, you can't look at it that way. It, this world cup, you're not, you have no idea what's going to happen in four years. Maybe people said bring Gaga Slonina so he can get a taste of it. That's not how it works. You got to be a much more practical approach. Some of that includes quote unquote locker room guys, quote unquote, Jordan Morris, Christian Moldan, the two sounder players who I undoubtedly are going to do a better job push at least from Greg's eyes, pushing this squad in training, not complain, do all those little things yeah. that are very cliche, but they are accurate. And, right? and we don't, we, we don't think about it, but like, for instance, the day after they play a game, all of the guys that didn't play significant minutes, anyone that basically played 30 minutes or less is going to be in training the next day. Some of those guys are going to be pissed that they didn't play. And you don't want, you you don't need, want pissed and, and you, <laughs> you don't want another to, issue. And you need to have guys in that training session who are going to give it 150% and who are going to pick up the guys who are pissed and say, Hey, we have another game in three days. 
I know you're mad you didn't start this one, but you might start the next one. And even if you don't, somebody might get injured. You need to be ready. And so stacking the roster with guys like that is important. I will say Ariola would have been that guy too. Yes. <laughs> you know, so it's not, that's, that's not a, that, that probably didn't enter into the equation between Morris and Ariola. Sure. Yeah. When I think of guys that are pissed, I always imagine the 98 World Cup. <laughs> and it's, like, it's not apples to apples, but there's like a veteran team. And every time they'd show the bench, guys like, oh, what? I got to get in this game. And it was such bad energy. And I'm like, oh, we yeah. don't want that. And that's obviously so much has changed, but yeah. you don't want that as a coach. You don't want to look over there and worry, you know, these yeah. guys are in full support. And I'm sure they are. Whoever, you want to be at the World Cup, and, but there are players that are going to play game wise, a small role or no role, but in other areas are going to play a yeah. much bigger role. Uh, I was really happy to see Joe Scally because I, when they played that, that friendly against, I think it was Uruguay and he looked out of his depth and I was like, yeah. uh, he's too young and I don't want this team to get any younger. And Greg doesn't want this team to get any younger. I think there's like what three guys, 30 or over if that maybe two. Well, they, it got older because it Tim got, Ream got Tim. included and Sean Johnson for that matter. <laughs> Tim, put him over the yeah. top. Yeah. Old man Ream. I love uh-huh. it. I think that, that, that makes him such a compelling figure. Because he gets dropped in here. He's been involved with this team, but he's just, he is the, the paternal guy that that's going to play a role too. That's yeah. good. I mean, people are going to talk to him. Hey, Tim, you, you play at full, you were playing against the best clubs of the world. What, what do I do here? So I, I'm excited about that. And one of them might be Joe Scally, mm-hmm. who just, I mean, I would watch these Mönchengladbach games and he just got better and better and anything that was thrown his way, he he answered. He made mistakes, but he never put his head down. And then he became more dynamic. Um, they their Austrian international at Mönchengladbach when he came back from injury. His name escapes me. That they thought they were going to get it. Then Scally kept the job. So I was like, man, this guy. He may not make it, but he's earned it, and he did. And I get the feeling because of the hybrid, um, the hybrid position that he can provide. That right, he's gonna get, both sides. Yeah. He's going to get a sniff because it's Anthony Robinson's our left back. Mm-hmm. He's can I, I would imagine this is another guy that we're gonna have to mount a lot of minutes on, but do you go 270? Let's assume USA plays four games. Do you put 360 on him? Yes. I think Joe, you do. <laughs> well, let's think about Anthony Robinson. He is an athletic yes. <laughs> marvel. This guy Easy. played every second for Fulham basically last year. And by the way, his crossing's gotten better too, which where is amazing. They play, where they play like three games a week all year. They play 46 regular season matches in the championship. He was flying around the world. He was playing most of the time in qualifying. And then he'd come right back to Fulham and play again three days later. And he like never, ever missed a game. If anyone can handle the load, it's him. Like 100%. And the U.S. better hope he doesn't get hurt because there is literally not another natural left back on the team. So it's Serginho Dest or Joe Scally who can both play on that side, but who are both right footers. So someone asked uh, Greg Perhalter about why would you include Tim Ream? And he said, have you watched Fulham play? Well, I rolled my eyes when he said that. I know. Next. I know. I did, too. I did, too. The reason I asked that, I'm not saying because I thought that was like, that's a throwaway answer. But I also thought that there is an idea that he has watched a lot of Fulham play. And part of the reason Reem's there is because Anthony Robinson and him are, you yeah. know, shoulder to shoulder and right next to each other. Every so week. why not make it easy for yourself and yeah. plop those two over in red, white, and blue? Not that they are, but as, as a practical person myself, I go, that makes, 
let's not reinvent the wheel. Plop, plop well, but but he, he didn't call him for the last no, year. <laughs> <laughs> like Tim Ream was playing well that whole time for Fulham. So like, it was like, yeah, Greg, we have seen, we have seen him. And last time when you didn't include him in September, you said, well, it's not a question of form. He's playing really well. It's a question of fit basically. And he talked about that high line stuff that I was prattling on about earlier in the show. And all right, fair enough. But like Tim Ream hasn't all of a sudden gotten faster over the last two months. He hasn't been able, he's not jumping higher than he was in September. Like none of that has changed. Chris Richards is out. So that, that part is a little bit different than maybe what was expected, but um, he is playing well. I'm glad he is here. I think it would have been a huge mistake to not bring him. And I think he should play. And I think he will play. It's a question of how much. Incredible, incredible development. And by the way, you mentioned Chris Richards and Miles Robinson and everyone's, you know, hoping that pairing in the future is so exciting that this is somewhat the group that hopefully can pick up the torch in 2023 and towards 2026, a lot will change, but they're unable to go here. Hopefully the injury bug stays away and that's a partnership that can flourish yeah. uh, in the future. So, and there will surely be other center backs that come through. Sure. Oh yeah. Well. This is the thing the, the, the conveyor belt is on full tilt and yeah. that's part of the good, the fun part of covering this national team is there are going to be new names and lots of them. And it's a feeding frenzy now, as we've seen the development in MLS and uh, taking over uh, the, the MLS next pro. And we've already seen yeah. really good, talented players. And come European clubs getting more savvy to, Hey, we can find good, good players for cheap in America. But and not that cheap anymore. No, not well, that no. cheap. Not you as can find cheap. A, you can get them cheap <laughs> get a if good you get deal. them at 18. Uh, you're going to get a better deal yet. than if you went to Brazil and got a 17-year-old kid. Exactly. That Enrique, if you're going to go there, we're going to get him. A, a, <laughs> it's like that one meme. A on, poor on man's Enrique for a quarter of the price. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, who was the other guys? Just real quick, two qu- more questions. Uh, I know the, the, some of the names we mentioned, Jordan Mars. We haven't mentioned Jack Moore. Who are mm-hmm. the most surprising guys you think got on there? The guys that should mm-hmm. absolute – the guys that you feel the worst for um, that yeah. didn't make it. Uh, most surprising. I mean, Haji Wright was the most surprising for me. We already talked about that. Um, but you see, a, you see a means where he can play. You can go. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 I just, I just didn't think Peralta would call yeah. him. Um, Reem was a mild surprise, but not overwhelming. Uh, other, Luca De La Torre, I was a little surprised that he was healthy enough. He got the um, benefit of the doubt. I mean, he yeah. can't be a hundred percent. They're playing this week. He's not on there, but. Yeah, Berhalter said that he's up to 95% of his normal sprint speed. Um, what does that he's been mean? Doing a lot of, <laughs> he's been doing a lot of running at Celta de Vigo. Um, so that was a bit of a surprise. Shaq Moore over Reggie Cannon definitely was a surprise for me. Um, we forget did, Reggie Cannon. That must have been a really tough call, too, because yeah, he's been along uh, for the ride. 100%. And then, you know, and then, of course, Jordan Morris and, and Paul Ariola and Zach Steffen not going. That was course, a, a big yes. surprise. Um, so in terms of the guys that I feel worse for, I feel bad for all of them. Yeah. You know, my colleague, Paul Tenorio, he put out a story, I guess it was late last night, just kind of about what it's like to be cut, what it's like to get the call. And he spoke with Sasha Kleshton, who was cut and Michael Parkhurst, who were cut from the teams in 2010 and 14. And he, when he was interviewing Sasha, he was driving home from a galaxy training session. And I hope I don't get in trouble for mentioning the galaxy. On the show. Not at all. Not but, at all. Um, but he had to like pull over because he was getting too emotional 12 years later because the pain is so real. So I feel terrible for all of them. Mark McKenzie is a guy that I thought had a good chance to go. Uh, he ended up being cut and, and Tim Ream going over him. 
So it's a brutal situation for everybody. Uh, this is something they've worked for for their literally their entire lives. And you get to the final step and you lose out by a percentage point. And that, I mean, I can't imagine what that feels like, oh. but it can't feel good. Yeah, those one or two guys that were the final no's. And it's tough. Look, for all the guys you say no, there's a guy you say yes to and you, that balances out. But you know, I, And some of these coaches, you've got to be very – you can't, we, we see it in the NFL on these hard knocks where they go, I, they can't get too attached because they just can't. But Heath Pierce told me a funny story for the 2014 World Cup that uh, he's like sitting there and Jesse Marsh, his assistant, comes in and says, ah, it's, it's a no, Heath. He's like, what? That's it? <laughs> but it's a weird I can't way to fall. break that news. I know. I, I mean, it should be a little, it should be a little there's better no, than that. There is no good way to do there's it. No there's no, no good way. There's no good way. To do, there's no good way to break up with somebody. You know, no. it's the same, same sort of deal. Um, but if so you want to break up with somebody, problem. break up with them. Don't extend it uh, because you're afraid yeah. to tell them that you want to break up. Yes. That's well, a thank, free tip for everyone. Thankfully, there's a FIFA deadline. So they had a hard out. <laughs> The U.S. national. Okay. Final question. How good do you feel about this U.S. squad? Uh, I feel fine about fine. it. There you go. Um, I don't feel amazing. I think that they have some good young players. Uh, I think that the system, I have some questions about it. I think they need to drop Eunice Musa deeper and have McKenney or Aronson, whoever that midfielder is, play a little higher and a little offset. Let them roam and destroy and do that. And let Musa help out the center backs and Adams and build up. I think if they do that, that that will mean better things for the U.S. I am worried about striker. I am worried about center back. Less worried than I would be if Tim Ream was not on the team, but still kind of worried about it. Um, and I think it's going to be a dogfight to get out of the group. I think that they will, but by the skin of their teeth. I think people are sleeping on Wales and Iran. Uh, Iran in particular. Iran, Mehdi Taremi is a star. People don't know who this guy is. He's got a billion goals, roughly, for Porto over the last couple of seasons. Uh, he's going to cause some problems. Um, England, you know, I was looking at their squad. They're not overwhelming. Yeah, I saw that today. I their, was like, Dad, attack, bring it on. <laughs> their attack is great, but I, they can be had in the back, I think, for sure. Um, I think they'll win the group eventually. And then I think you could tell me two, three, four for the three remaining teams in any order, and I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I think it's going to be a real scrap to get out of it. I think the U.S. will make it. Uh, I think they'll probably lose in the round of 16. But who knows? Anything can happen in a single elimination game. So we'll yeah. see. Yeah, it's true. And Iran, Sardar Azmoun, who was injured, I think I hear he's closer to health. And if you look at their roster, they have so many more European-based players than you would think. Playing That's the thing. The, Every the Netherlands country does now. Dynamic players. Does. Because I think you think Iran, you're like, oh, we're organized. It's not like that. It's a very sexy team. Yeah. Well, we'll it's see how so K-Roche sets them up because yeah. K-Roche does not like sexy not, soccer. Not so sexy. You're right. <laughs> Which is a but, shame. If he was a little sexier, then I, I would be yeah. really afraid of him. Metro not. Star's legend, Carlos K-Roche. Yeah. Almost got him through. Sam Stasekull of The Athletic. Uh, check out all his incredible work. He will be off to Qatar. Uh following the U.S. men's national team. And make sure you check out Kuva to Qatar, the podcast on The Athletic. Happy trails, safe travels, Sam. And look forward to seeing all your work there and uh, a great com conversing with you all the time. Yeah, of course, Max. Thank you so much for having me on. It was fun. Uh, excellent. That's the business. And we'll be back with Stop It Time. We'll talk a little bit about FIFA. Got a chance to see FIFA uncovered. We'll talk about also some of the words said by uh, Seth Blatter recently about the Qatar World Cup. Soccer G rolls on. Thank you.
time now for stoppage time and how do you cover this world cup for eight years we have talked about qatar and its role and the human rights violations the corruption which is part and parcel with everything that fifa do quite frankly the fact that Qatar is going to go to the beat of a different drummer made it perfectly clear in so many words that this is going to be a surveillance World Cup. If you're in there working, the eye in the sky is on you. Don't go out and try and do anything odd. It has to be reaffirmed odd, and that's very vague. It has to be reaffirmed with the players, the journalists, everyone involved, because they could it could end really bad. And we hold our breath. Specifically for the players, because these are young men that are going to the event of a lifetime. And they have to blow off some steam. We see it all the time. But that, how does that look in Qatar? What you can, really what you can't do. So all of this is part of it. And, you know, Fox was criticized because they weren't going to really use that as part of their rollout. They want to stick to the games, which I'm fine with. I think if you want to, there's going to be so much uh, stuff out there that you can consume regarding Qatar, regarding FIFA, case in point, this Netflix series, FIFA Uncovered. Uh, There's going to be a lot of great journalists that are going to be covering it. Do you want to hear it from, you know, Alexi Lanas and Stu Holden? They don't want to, I mean, I I don't want to, I wouldn't want to be in those shoes. Um, Do you want to present it when you have a small window? Should they cover it, by the way? Yes, they should. They should in some way, shape or form. But there's a lot of stories to tell of Qatar. And then there's also when we, we mention about the issues that that country has had. I mean, is it the pot calling the kettle black? You could look at the U.S. from their perspective and say, well, look what you've done. Certainly we do that with Russia. Certainly we do that with South Africa. All of these countries and their history or, you know, atrocities along the line, how far back you want to go. You're you're not going to see a clean slate anywhere. Anywhere. But Qatar is a little bit more front and center and current. It's a culture that we have to adapt to, and we're going to adapt to as we watch this World Cup. You're going to see it. It's You're going to feel it. There's no question. You're going to feel the lack of alcohol sales in the stadiums. I can, I can 100% guarantee you there's going to be a different dynamic. Watch parties, etc. It's going to feel different. It's going to be a lot about the football, which is not a bad thing. But FIFA is getting a lot of slack, as they should. And, you know, you want it to just be... You want it to be fair from our perspective. And look, there's been allegations and court cases uh, aplenty, and it continues to be there. And I, FIFA, I know Johnny Infantino has to clean up. They know that. Are guys getting backhanders with wads of money? Yeah, you better believe it. We'll start with Seth Blatter. Uh, this FIFA uncovered uh, documentary is by and large about his rise, at least the part that I saw. I haven't seen the whole thing, but you know, I... I get what's going on. And it's a hit piece. You know, it's like from the very first frame, they're going at FIFA for, you know, partic- giving the World Cup to Argentina, which was part of a military, um, uh, the, the military rule that they had there, which we had so many people disappear. It was absolutely harrowing with what happened there. It was a really good show on Amazon. I forgot its name about the lawyers that brought those uh, war criminals to justice. Um, should there have been a World Cup in Argentina in 1978? Yeah, probably not. But again, it's like flaws all over these countries. And you know, Argentines to a person will probably say that we're glad we had it because it at least took our mind off of that. It happened. It's not perfect. 
Then, uh, by the way, they also talk about 1982, how the World Cup really became this phenomenal event. And that was the gap. 78, it still felt small time, right? 82, Spain, a different light. All of a sudden, you're like, this is it. This was the beginning of it. So, I mean, FIFA's coming at FIFA hard all the time. I I just want to say this. I mean, what FIFA did is pretty incredible. When you go back to the history and creating this event, which we all fall under, it's the greatest sporting event. And there was a few years ago we would argue, what's the best sporting event? There's no argument. FIFA is, the World Cup is not only the best sporting event, it's lapping all of them, including the Olympics, which has fallen way back, including the Super Bowl or the NCAA tournament. Obviously, those are American events. But they, they cannot hold a flame to what this does. Any World Cup, cricket, rugby, basketball, world championships, nothing. It's amazing what, what's happened. And because it gets so big, there's going to be corruption. There's going to be a lot of corruption, which we'll get back to in a moment. Back to Seth Blatter, who recently said Qatar World Cup is a mistake. Um, he said it's too... Sm- <laughs> I was hoping he would say something groundbreaking as to why it was a mistake, but he said stuff that we all go, yeah, we do that. It is too small of a country. Football and the World Cup are too big for it. Yeah, we told you that when you pulled out that name from the envelope. Um, He said FIFA amended the criteria it used to select host countries in 2012 in light of concerns over the working conditions in tournament related construction sites in Qatar. And since then, this is his quote, social considerations and human rights are taken into account. So timing-wise, things have changed and they will look at it a little differently. Obviously, going World Cups in Russia and Qatar back-to-back is not really going to show FIFA in a very good light. But things, it would appear from what we're hearing, things will change in the future. We saw this was a you know, groundbreaking World Cup featuring all North American countries. Now the bidding in 2030, uh, a lot of joint bids, but I think it will be well flushed out. There's that one Saudi bid with uh, the Mediterranean World Cup, which is interesting, but I'm like, too soon, too soon. It's like a mixed Middle East, European, African World Cup. I believe there's countries. for It's unbelievable. And if you look at it, the countries that would be included, I think it was Egypt and maybe Greece. They're all close. world is a small place. So we'll see how that looks moving forward. But we got Qatar. We're stuck with it. Uh, we're moving on with it. Embrace it as a soccer fan. Don't put your head in the sand either and what's going on. But, you know, oh, soccer fans are always, more than any other sport, anything, a burden with the reality of the human condition, re- the, re- the geopolitical situation. And we bear to it. And we... Acknowledge it and accept it. Uh, sometimes we want to watch the sports, but the world is so flawed. If we were critical of everything, we wouldn't get a. We would never kick off a game. So I'm not saying to cast a blind eye, but this is we're we're flawed, which kind of gets me back to what I want to say about FIFA. And um, they went from João Havelange, which groundbreaking. This Brazilian guy takes power of FIFA. And became this bigger than life. And then Sepp Blatter got in and became his deputy and eventually took over. Um, you know, there's so much money at stake. These guys, I mean, Sepp Blatter on the surface is a pretty, if you didn't know him, you would say, what a charming man. Is he, he's probably not a bad guy. He just wants to get fat pockets, which is disappointing. We all want to have money and live well, but you don't do it 
to fat, fatten your pockets to take away from people who kind of need it. So, you know, the greed is is the big issue here because we're talking about astronomical numbers of money. And every sport, you're going to have corruption in some way, shape, or form. Uh, FIFA's just magnified because of the size of it. I'm Look, I, I just not going to be critical of every issue of corruption because it's just there. Again, you would be nonstop uh, being outraged. The big concern here is how sloppy they are. I mean, the whole breakdown which hit us in the face in this region in CONCACAF, Jack Warner and, and Chuck Blazer and, you know, everyone sang like a, a bird afterwards. But it's just the fact that they just did it in the open. It was embarrassing. It's like, dude, if you're going to be sneaky and corrupt, just do it behind closed doors. They just didn't care. If you're going to be sloppy, you're out. You got to be good in corruption and, and keep it quiet. Because it's going to happen. Hopefully they get better at it. But FIFA has created an absolute uh, monster, not a monster, just, what is the, you know, just this titan that is going to be fed because everyone's involved in this sport. Look how quickly we shifted these clubs to a, a Winter World Cup. I, I, when it happened, I go, they're not going to go for it. They all did. You know, someone could have been like, we're not participating. If you are you an employee of this league, you're not participating in that World Cup. Or at least made a bigger stink about it. They go, they all had to fall in line. That's the power of FIFA. It's crazy. We wouldn't want to work at a place like that. Just too much money. It's like, nah, I'm good. I don't want this pressure. It just, ugh. But they'll continue. Look, the next World Cup's going to have 48 teams. It's a money grab. And it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. This thing is just trending in the right direction. It's going to be unstoppable. So, but hopefully there's more supervision. Hopefully there is more checks and balances and people are held accountable. And you got to have a big situation. And by the way, Seth Blatter, as many of you know, um, he was under the corruption in accusations. He was cleared of fraud by a Swiss court in June. So uh, there's going to be an appeal, but there it is. That's why he's appearing on this documentary. So poo-poo all over FIFA. They deserve it. But be thankful what they created too. And just hope for the best. Glad you could join our special midweek Soccer OG. Check out the Soccer OG on YouTube under my name, Max Bretos. And yes, the Soccer OG World Cup Daily debuting November the 19th every day through the World Cup simulcast on YouTube and podcast on audio where all podcasts are available. Thanks for joining me. Placido Domingo. Domingo.